Welcome. You're listening to a worship podcast from St. Matthew's Episcopal Church. St. Matt's is a neighborhood church with a worldwide community located near the St. Paul campus of the University of Minnesota. We're a community of people invited by Christ to meet him at his table, in each other, and in our neighbors. As apprentices, we practice following the way of Jesus as expressed in the Anglican tradition, in the power of the Spirit, so we can participate in God's healing of ourselves and the world. My name is Blair Pogue, and I'm the rector or lead pastor of St. Matthew's. And this coming Sunday, July 4th, is the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. Let's begin with a prayer. Generous God, you have taught us to love you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to others with pure affection. In Jesus' name, amen. This Sunday's Gospel lesson is Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This summer has been jam-packed with family reunions and major life events that couldn't take place a year ago. The July 4th weekend is, for many people, a family and community holiday. 
So it seems fitting that Mark's gospel features a story of Jesus's homecoming this week. Going home is joyful and it's hard. We treasure what we knew in childhood and it can become dearer to us as we get older. We want to go back home, but going back isn't always easy. Our parents and siblings know us and they don't know us. They know us more than we think for they were there during our formative years. And yet they haven't been with us as much since we left home. We've grown and changed. We've been introspective, tried to grow spiritually and done some therapy. And yet when we go home, we regress into old patterns and behaviors. We fight with our sister. We push our parents' buttons and they push ours. Our neighbors seem surprised by what we've become. It's hard for parents and neighbors to accept the fact that they need to become reacquainted with their child or the young man who grew up next door. After ministering to and healing people on both shores of the Sea of Galilee, as well as calming a storm on the sea itself, Jesus traveled to his home village, Nazareth. His works of wonder have started to win Jesus' praise and awe, and word about him and his healing powers is traveling fast. So imagine what it's like to go home after achieving some success and admiration and undergoing the scrutiny and skepticism of people from your family and childhood congregation. When Jesus began to teach in his hometown synagogue on the Sabbath, his former neighbors wondered how he became so wise, insightful, and powerful. Could the rumors be true? Isn't Jesus the little boy who used to run around the village naked? Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he the son of Mary and the sibling of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and some sisters? Note that Joseph is not mentioned here. Joseph may be deceased, but in a Mediterranean honor shame society, the fact that Jesus' father is not named is shameful. The villagers most likely think Jesus is illegitimate. How can an illegitimate child have such insightful things to say about the Holy Scriptures? How can an illegitimate child have authority and power? Does Jesus think he's better than us? He's a nobody from our backwater village. Mark notes that Jesus was amazed at their unbelief and was unable to do nothing more in Nazareth than cure a few sick people. While disbelief doesn't hinder or limit God's work to heal and liberate, it can clearly interfere. 
Perhaps disbelief interferes with our ability to see God's works of wonder. Jesus' rejection by his hometown crowd foreshadows what will happen to his followers. But Jesus is not deterred. He decides that God's mission to heal and liberate will continue not just through him, but also through his followers. His disciples or students have lived with Jesus long enough to hear his teachings on faith and on the kingdom or reign of God. They have been with him long enough to see him liberate a man in the Capernaum synagogue from the demon that haunted him, to see Jesus cleanse a leper, heal a paralytic, and invite St. Matthew's patron saint, a tax collector originally called Levi, to follow me. Jesus' disciples have seen Jesus calm the storm they thought was going to kill them, bring Jairus' daughter back to life, and heal a woman who had been hemorrhaging for many years. They've heard him teach and seen him walk his talk. Jesus' words and deeds have given his students a glimpse of God's kingdom. Jesus calls his 12 disciples together and then sends them out two by two. They are to participate in God's mission by proclaiming God's goodness, grace, and mercy, and helping people face their fears, certitudes, and the big lies they live with so they can experience God's liberating love. They are to cast out whatever holds them in bondage to death in all its forms, and to cure and anoint with oil those who are sick and isolated so they can be restored to community. They're not to bring anything for their journey except a staff and to wear nothing but sandals and a tunic. Imagine leaving home without a change of clothes, a credit card, some snacks, your iPhone, your earbuds, and your charging cord. Imagine leaving home for a pilgrimage by foot without an extra pair of shoes, Gatorade, Band-Aids, and gifts for the people you'll be staying with. Imagine not knowing where you will go or where you will sleep or eat. Imagine having to receive rather than give hospitality meaning you are completely reliant on others and completely out of control. This is exactly what Jesus had his followers do as they learned to trust God by relying on the hospitality of others. While none of us wants to be weak or vulnerable, there is something about weakness and vulnerability that enables us to rely on God. It's often when we can't do anything to save ourselves or others that we finally let go and experience God's provision. Many of us have spent the majority of our lives trying to control things, 
So it's helpful to hear one of Jesus's most devoted and famous followers, Paul, say something that might sound ridiculous, but is actually quite insightful. In his letter to the Christian community in Corinth, Paul says that God's power is made perfect in his weakness. In Paul's words, Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. As I mentioned earlier, one of the things Jesus' followers were sent out to do was to cast out people's unclean spirits. I wonder about the unclean spirits of our age. What separates people today from God and others? A few ideas come to mind. Distrust, division, narcissism, individualism, self-righteousness, judgment, and cynicism. What comes to mind for you? It's important to go home, and it's not always easy to go home. It's easy to think we know those who come home and harder to get to know them anew. It's easier to offer hospitality than to receive it. Easier to bring our snacks and iPhone than to eat others' foods and immerse ourselves in their worlds and realities. And yet Jesus calls us not only to receive God's kingdom, to participate in God's liberating love more fully in our own lives, but to share it with others. Not being in control involves vulnerability and risk, but it is in that openness and vulnerability that we begin to experience, taste, and trust Jesus' good news. In the silence that follows, I want you to think about one way you might travel lightly this week, allowing yourself to receive others' hospitality. Let us pray together one last time. I invite your prayers for friends, family, 
and those who are alone. I invite your prayers for the place where you live, the United States and the countries of our world. I invite your prayers for those who are ill and suffering. I invite you to pray for this fragile earth, our island home. I invite you to name and give thanks for those who have died. God, our hope, may your blessing empower our thanksgivings and our prayer. For we put our trust in you, the living God, risking disappointment, risking failure, working and waiting expectantly. And let us end with a blessing. Loving God, Keep us in the spirit of joy and simplicity and mercy. Bless us and those you have entrusted to us, and may the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen.